Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome, JC. Howdy. So glad to be here with you in the studio again today. Everybody welcome Mac. Yay, Mac in the background. You know, he's become such a part of the show, people look for him. <laughs> we, have a, we have a lady who whose uh, daughter watches the show regularly, and she's always looking for Mac to come to come and say hello. Do you want to come say hi, Mac? Hmm? Want to come say hi to everybody? He's an old man. I got to wake up. <laughs> He's an old man. There he is. Everybody say hello to Mac. Liberty first, Mac. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, buddy. Thank you. Well, welcome, everybody, to the show. I'm getting kisses on the back of my arm now. Now you can go back and lay down, Mac. Go back to your spot and lay down. That's a good boy. <laughs> he actually has a spot. He just he comes in and, and goes to, and he lays down, and uh, he, can't, he can't be outside the door when we're having the show. He freaks out. Tap dances. Tap dances. Well, he'll even jump up on the door mm-hmm. and, and try to, because he knows how to work doorknobs. Yes. Yeah. So uh, just to keep you guys updated here, the, um, the nominees for Supreme Court are now whittled down to five. And so we will, on Thursday, we'll go over uh, Rushing, Larson, and Todd for you on Thursday. But it's down Is to Todd, five. Todd Worth. Well, I, I, I mean, they, she's, she's up there. The we we des- she deserves <laughs> the respect of our consideration. Sure, you know, I mean, seriously, I'm not up there, so I, don't, I can't say a whole lot. Yeah, I don't think she has a snowball's chance to be the nominee. But I mean, she's got not, a better chance no, no than dis- I do. No disrespect, but <laughs> she's got a better chance than I do. So it's just interesting that. It, it, she's part of the five. It just sort of I, I keep thinking like why. Why is she continuing to be mm-hmm. up there? Like out of all the others, and then she's in the five because anyway, they're they're just there's no way, no way. It is a curious political maneuver. Well, I can't but say no way. But. There, because because there are more than five women on the list, yeah, right? Sure. Because uh, EID is not on that list, right? They could put EID on there instead of Todd. What? Uh, but you know when we. When I sit down and I do the the math, you know, the real research, and we put them together, we may discover the the hidden secret to Todd. Well, I mean, she's, she's up there. She's on Trump's legal team, so I mean, maybe he, maybe the president just really likes her. Yeah. Well, and he's that kind of guy. Yeah. So, what he as you know, he's used to being the CEO. Mm-hmm. So the CEO, you know, has a say. He is yeah. the head of the executive committee. So, so it is his authority to nominate. Maybe I shouldn't be quick to draw that conclusion. I, I could be wrong, but well, it could I be think possible. that it's. I think that it's unlikely that. I think it's unlikely in comparison. She to the would rest, be chosen, sure. not because of her age, but simply because she is Trump's lawyer. That's what I mean. That would be very, very difficult to overcome yeah. in a Senate. Because as as we said, they're trying to sort of check off all the boxes of political considerations yeah. and to to diffuse the whole illegitimacy argument. Right, right. That would be something Which that, is why there are five women. Yeah, that would be something five that women. would hover over her 
more, I think, than the rest. Would right. they If they were able to say, she's not even been a judge and she's on Trump's legal team. So you would have they would have mm-hmm. not. I don't think any of those arguments amount to, to anything legit. Well, but Alina Kagan but was never purified. a judge. Right. So, Correct. you know, you can't use the she was never a judge and just no. she's just, illegitimate for other reasons. Yeah, Alina Kagan is <laughs> illegitimate for other reasons, right? Because, well, never mind. But nonetheless, I mean, people should know you don't even have to be a lawyer right. to be a Supreme Court justice. So you don't good. even have to have graduated yeah. from high school. It's kind of good to, that she's there for that. Yeah. She don't even have to graduate from high school to be a Supreme Court justice. We actually have Supreme Court justices that that didn't graduate from law school and didn't graduate from high school. Yeah. So, and I mean no disrespect. I think she's tremendously qualified mm-hmm. and would would be much better than um, most that are on there now. But uh, well, but as she's I on think, the short I, just list, from a political point of view. As she's on the short list, the people should, you know, we'll bring you the truth about who she yeah. is. And so and we're going to nail that on Thursday, right? You're going to come yeah. back and talk about Larson and, and Russian, rushing, not Russian. There's a Russian on the list. No. Larson, rushing, and Todd yeah. will be down. Will be on Thursday. Um, this morning, Donald Trump uh, was at. Well, I guess he wasn't actually at, but he he created a video. For the uh, National Catholics Prayer Breakfast this morning. Yeah, 16th annual. 16th annual. And he made an announcement at the 16th annual Catholic Prayer Breakfast that I wanted to to share with everybody so that you could hear what he said. And, and JC and I could talk about that a little bit. So, uh, Lord willing, this all works right. The joy of family, the blessing of freedom, and the dignity of work, and the eternal truth that every child, born and unborn, is made in the holy image of God. I will always protect the vital role of religion and prayer in American society, and I will always defend the sacred right to life. Today, I am announcing that I will be signing the Born Alive Executive Order to ensure that all precious babies born alive, no matter their circumstances, receive the medical care that they deserve. This is our sacrosanct moral duty. We are also increasing federal funding for the neonatal research to ensure that every child has the very best chance to thrive and to grow. Melania and I... So that's that's a very interesting, to me, a very interesting announcement. Now, as an... Born Alive... Born Alive Executive executive order. Order... And so the way it's not actually he says, I'm announcing that I will be signing it. So it is not published yet. So I haven't been able to go and read it. But if I if I'm to use experience as a tool to predict what it's going to be like, you know, Trump has his executive orders have been more so than any president, uh, very circumspect to the Constitution. Yes. And so very, very tailored to um, to recognize and take into account state authority and to recognize in, in spite of well, to recognize the limited nature of the office of the executive yeah. within the expanded authority that we've created. Right. If I said that yeah. properly, not, so, not all of them, but certainly yes. more than previous administrations. So what I would what I would say that this executive order is going to deal primarily at, with funding. 
right? Right. So he kind of let us know that, that the he's going to increase the funding. And here's what I suspect, JC. I suspect through this executive order that the federal government will include children, babies born alive in Medicaid and Medicare. Hmm. So that as soon as they're born alive, now Medicaid, Medicare pays for their treatment. Now, remember, where the government gives money, they automatically have a, a, uh, con- a um, controlling government interest, right? Mm-hmm. And so that creates, the funding creates an authority in the eyes even of the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. So by placing the the born now what he's trying to do is save children that are born live from abortions that's what this is about that's been the big controversy of where uh babies are born alive you know so-called failed abortions and then they just let them die on the table without the doctor giving them medical assistance well now i believe under this executive order and it's just a prediction is chrisanne throwing it out there you know i don't do that kind of thing but when i do i make sure you know that's what i'm doing is that uh that this executive order will bring those children under medicaid and so with the funding they'll have a compelling governmental interest which will be able to assert a regulating controlling power on the hospitals that take Medicaid that say if a child is born alive you must you you must treat it you must you must give it life-saving aid um, do you think this is where somebody like uh, I think it was Feinstein who who characterized Barrett as uh, what did she say? Hold, holding the Bible above the law or legislating mm-hmm. your faith. Is, it, is this a thing that you think the lefties see in that regard? Well, because we've explained this in liberty terms right, several times. Right, right. No, I believe that there are. Well, you I know, mean, JC, speaking as a former leftist, I would tell you that it's. Folks. But again, um, Abortion is not always a leftist issue because you have what would because of the narrative you have pro choice Mm -hmm. on both sides of the political spectrum. I mean, I know people who are conservative Republicans who believe that that uh, that pro choice is a a liberty issue. By pro pro choice, meaning you the the why the woman pro abortion. Yes, by pro-abortion, right? Well, that's why I said by the narrative that they give as pro-choice. I have a hard time keeping up with their terms. Yeah, right. So by the narrative of being pro-choice, now we know it's Mm pro-abortion, right? But the narrative of pro-choice is what what floods the society. So So you hear conservatives say, particularly men, I guess women too, but I've heard men say, it's, it's none of my business, that's a woman's business, so she should be the one... It's her body, choose. right? Yeah, it's her body. Right. But from yeah, a liberty perspective, right? It's a life. It's a life issue. Right. So you have a, a natural right to life. You have a natural right to life. So it's not no a, matter when it begins. Right. So it's not, oh, you're enforcing your religious beliefs. No, no. it's a liberty belief no. that you're supposed to protect life. And that's, right. that's a life. So, uh, yeah, I, that's just interesting. I heard 
I heard again, you know, in the Supreme Court nomination discussion, it's coming up again of how they treated Barrett, just this mm -hmm. really um, uh, open religious bigotry, right? Uh, and particularly anti-Catholic bigotry, anti-Christian bigotry, because. Um, well, they're going to have a hard time with these five because yeah. every single one of these five are pro-life and unapologetically so. What's always interesting, I think I was listening to Ari Fleischer make the point this morning. If you're, you know, so if you've said that because what was it Feinstein said, the the dogma lives loud in you. If you said that to a Muslim or or a right. person of Jewish faith, then right. man. People would lose their mind. You'd be right. Uh, what do they call it? Xenophobic, mm -hmm. uh, anti-Semitic, just right. all this stuff. So it's like you can you can just trash a Christian's faith or a Catholic faith, and and that's a thing with the left, and it's no problem. Mm -hmm. But then they get on a hissy fit when it's uh, any other smaller religion or Muslim or Jewish. Well, I guess I can't say they're always Jewish, but. A lot of times they'll do that, particularly if it's and, and it's kind of like the women and black lives, all that sort of thing. So it actually it's not just Jewish as a whole, but if right. you're a progressive who happens to be Jewish, like if you're George Soros out to destroy America, you can't you even can't talk, talk about him. Even on Fox, you can't. You're anti-Semitic. Right. Tucker Carlson boy laid that bear last night. There was no. Not talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I he was waiting for again. somebody to come up and do that, you yeah. know, and I figured Tucker, Tucker would be the only one with the right. spinal cord to do something like that, you know, because everybody else is, oh, well, I'm not going to sacrifice my career for this point. I'm no. not going to stand on principle for this point. Well, uh, the moment that you allow someone to silent, if you call yourself a journalist and this is just Chris Ann speaking from a principal perspective. The moment when you call yourself a journalist, the moment you let a voice in your ear tell you you have to move on, you are no longer in my book a person of principle. So whatever it takes, you know, to keep your job is not about principle. And I understand I get that whole pragmatic thing. You know, we got to live to fight another day. Mm -hmm. Problem is. Which is normally the calculation. Yeah, the calculate. Live to fight another day. Mm -hmm. The problem is every step you take right. in the wrong direction yeah. is a chain link in your own servitude that you will never Ever. You don't back up on that. Yeah, because if you if, don't back up on that, you've what you've done is created a a a visual, palpable presence that you to the people who are speaking in your ear that you are in their command. It's a continual downward slide. If every Absolutely. time you're well, we we've got a uh, you know uh, split what they call split split the baby to make sure we live to fight another day. Whatever you keep doing that, sooner or later you're in such a deep hole. I mean, it's where yeah. we are now. Uh, you're in such a mess now. What are you going to do? So that that's really been the downward trend of American politics and the American system. Or is, is this constant compromise where you lose more and more and more and more until it's all gone? But see, here's the thing, JC. Principles are not up for compromise. By the very definition of being a principle, yep. it's not it's not compromisable. I yep. don't even know if that's you're, a word, but I can make that up. 
And when yeah, you you're compromise the it, yeah, when you compromise, you're declaring it is not my principle. Right. There is no foundation. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Which then makes it all fall apart. Because then what is the basis of you doing anything that you do? If, yeah. if there is if you're admitting there is no foundation, for instance, uh, you know, I heard some of the conversation you were in yesterday or day before. And and I thought, you know, because it's all oh, well, it's 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 uh, what do they say? What do they say? Not naive, but um, a purist, uh, a purist. There was another word of how basically it's it, uh, idealistic. I, oh, that's it's right. idealistic. I'm an idealist that you would want someone to follow the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're admitting that. The Constitution is not is not the standard, right? It's idealistic to follow the Constitution. Then why have it? Right. What and then what is the basis of any argument? So the same people saying that are then complaining about what the Democrats are doing, complaining about what the left is doing. Upon what basis do you have to complain? If you're right. admitting that there is no fixed standard, then they have a legitimate right to do whatever they want. Well, so you, do we. Yeah. Well, you want to watch Chris Ann Hall's blood pressure pop instantly i go from you know uh normal to 260 in in three in point three five seconds you can call me an idealist or a purist yeah because it's either the supreme law of the land or it's not and if you call me an idealist for trying for wanting people to comply with the supreme law of the land then what what exactly is the standard because because calling me an idealist because I want people to follow the Constitution of the United States is saying, is it not, that the Constitution is an unachievable goal? Yeah, it's it's not a legitimate standard. It, right, it's not a legitimate standard. It's an it's an so I, well legitimate in 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 f- idealism, but yeah. not in realism. Right, it's not so actual standard. It's so, not an but, actual. standard. But then that begs right. the question: Then what is right? If we if it's too idealistic to use the Constitution as a standard, why have it? Right. And in reality, you don't have it if you don't use it as a standard. And so, therefore, what's the standard? And really, there's no answer to that. I mean, it's, it's just an absence of a well, standard. Well, no, the and answer. So then that the is next, the answer. The next question is, then what are you complaining about? Right. What is the basis of your complaint? You have to have a starting point. You right. have to have a standard uh, by which you formulate your complaint. We shouldn't do this because if there's no because then then your complaint is not legitimate. It's not valid. There is there is no basis for any complaint whatsoever. It's survival of the fittest. Whoever's the most powerful, whoever can push through what they want. It's it's just a knockdown free for all banana republic. Banana republic. That's exactly right. And I just I've I've had congressmen say that to me i've had republicans congressmen say that to me i've had republican people say that to me people in government people who call themselves constitutionalists have said that to me oh i'm an idealist i believe that we should uphold the constitution no silly that's not idealistic that is the standard and if you're and here's the thing this is what ticks me off is when you say that it's idealistic, you you say that it's unachievable, which what you're really saying is you want me to give you permission to not follow the Correct. standard. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head right there. It's, it, uh, that is an excuse that mm-hmm. I want to do what I know Whatever I is do. not authorized, is Thank not you. legitimate. Yes. And so this is, oh, you're being idealistic, idealistic. So just to back you off to give them justification to do what they know they ought not be doing. 
Bec- and that's, that's what they a know really, is substandard. That's that's exactly a point that we need to really stress here, JC. They wouldn't be calling me idealistic if they uh, if they didn't know what they were doing is contrary to the standard. Correct. The very nature of no, saying I can't do it because it's too idealistic is admitting they know the standard yeah. and they don't want to no, follow it. It's, it's also saying you're right. Yes, you're right. But that is the standard. That but. is what we should be doing. That is what's lawful. That is what's right. But we don't want to do that. Which means not only are you asking me for permission to not uphold the standard, you're asking me for permission to be immoral. Because when you know what's right and you refuse to do the right thing, that is immoral conduct. Mm -hmm. Is that an extremist view? I don't think so. I think it's a matter of what's right and what's wrong. And you cannot argue with the, with the understanding that if something is the right thing to do and you know it's the right thing to do and you choose not to do the right thing, then you are doing the wrong thing and doing the wrong thing is immoral. So... Let's just lay it out there on the line, JC. If you call me idealistic, you're going to get some teaching. And if you believe that I'm ever going to give any person, regardless of who they are, permission to be immoral and permission to violate the supreme law of the land, then you don't know who you're talking to. Period. So upon that basis, I like to circle back to the faith thing. Right. Okay. Because the issue of a moral, a moral foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I heard I heard again, Ari Fleischer, I wish we had the clip. I, I just just saw it, but mm-hmm. um, on outnumbered on Fox. And oh, he, it's he probably was, not he, even he, up yet. He was trying to clarify this uh, of, of of I think it was Barrett to saying or whoever it was placing the Bible above the Constitution and place the Bible above the Constitution. And he said. He said, you can't do that. Okay, I'd like to clarify that statement because, and he said, we're a secular nation, da-da-da, we're actually, it's pluralistic. Secular is not the right word. Right. We're pluralistic. Um, Because secular would mean faith has no place. That's not what we are. That's not what we Uh, are. We are, and and when he further explained, I actually understood that's what he meant to say, and that's how he understands secular, even though that's not what that means. Um, and and I maybe maybe he's trying to say this, but I want to clarify that. Okay, so when you say so for Christians, the the Bible, right? The Bible is the moral basis. So you're essentially saying a moral basis, a moral standard. So then, when when you're saying you can't put the Bible above the law, then you're saying you can't put put a moral basis above the law. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is to say, if the law is immoral, you have to right. follow the law rather than your morality. So when people say, when somebody like that, like Barrett says, Bible above the law, it's not the same thing as saying enforcing the tenets of Scripture by the force of law, right? It's right. not the same thing as saying, I believe in government-enforced religion. Our point is, is th- th- those, those places where the law would run contrary to the fundamental tenets 
of her faith, meaning, for instance, thou shalt not kill. Then you don't you ha- I can't follow that. You have right. to, you would have to follow your your religious faith or or your, you know, non-religious, your moral basis. Right. You can be a moral right. person and not necessarily be religious. But the whole point is so there is there has to be a moral foundation and framework to law. You can't say, well, you, you can't bring morality in this. You just have to you have to follow the law. Well, we don't we don't inf- enforce. Right. Religious faith through the law, except to the extent where that intersects with liberty, particularly with protecting life. Life. So you have had laws. I mean, think of Nazi Germany. You've had laws that say kill this person because of who they are, you know, right. their race, what, whatever. Okay. Kill, murder this person. Right. So are these people really suggesting, and I know Ari's not suggesting this, but, but I mean, if you take that to its natural conclusion, when you say you, you have to follow the law in all cases, you can't say you've put the Bible above the law. No, in the case of an immoral law, I have to follow my moral code, which in my case would be the Bible. Right. So it's it's an illogical it's really kind of an illogical statement. It destroys the very basis of law to say that law is the the supreme thing in the sense of how a legislator writes any given law. That has to override everything. No, right. you still have to maintain a a moral free agency Right. To be able to judge each law in a moral framework. Right. If you if you couldn't put a moral framework above the law, then upon what basis do we argue against slavery? Right. Morality. Morality has to be above the law. It it, it is the very essence of the law. If you can't. If you can't. And that is liberty. Again, it's it's the moral definition of liberty. You have the right to do whatever you want to do with whatever is yours, as long as you don't harm another. That's the morality of liberty. That has to be above the law. So my my morality, as I believe, is encapsulated in the Christian scripture. Uh, love thy neighbor as, as, as thyself, where I respect the liberty of others. So a law that then violates the liberty of others takes the life of another unjustly, then I have to hold my morality above those laws. Right, because then, uh, well, all, all laws are held, uh, morality is held above uh, all laws. Otherwise, you wouldn't be angry when a police officer shoots someone that they think is a criminal. Right. Because in that mind, the officer is enforcing the law, so then there would be no argument that the officer can't do that in the enforcement of the law because morality is above law. We say you can't execute people for violating this law. Right. Or or in the current framework, when you think of um, judicial doctrine and dicta being carried forth as law, Right. If 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 you don't have a if you if you say, well, law has to be above your moral code, your faith. Right. Then when they say, oh, qualified immunity, when this guy violates somebody's rights, you can't do anything about it. That's just the law. Right. Exactly. Because law is government. And right. So then if 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 morality has to has to be subservient to that, 
then upon what basis do you argue that that is unjust? So, so this this entire argument is that that they're putting forth in regards to these folks is is convoluted. It's right. a it's a distortion of the true principles. Now, if they wanted to say very specifically, do you believe that you should use the law to enforce your religion to make your religion the state church? That's a different thing. It's yes. a different thing of saying enforce your religious faith as opposed to, no, I have to, the Bible would definitely supersede the law in those cases where the law is immoral. Right. Well, and you also have to understand. It's a legitimate stance. Absolutely. I would expect them to take that stance. Well, and society collapses if, if, if there is a lack of moral foundation. Right. Society collapses, and you cannot argue with that. The moment that something comes out of your mouth, this, this feels like a Ravi Zacharias moment for me. The moment something comes out of someone's mouth that says that's wrong, they're creating a moral standard. Correct. So you can't be a, a, a person that believes it's okay to, uh, to kill a child in the womb or to, even at that, kill a baby that was attempted to be killed but was born alive because I am somehow enforcing my morality on you. You, in the same respect, then can never come to me and say, that's wrong for you to tell me I can't do that because the idea that you're saying that's wrong is an establishment of a moral standard. Right. You are making a moral standard when you say, I have to have the ability to end this life and you can't tell me it's not. Right. So you can't tell me that it's not that laws are not been that society's not based on moral standards. What you're saying is my moral standard is superior to yours. Right. And that goes to the crux of what what we've called on this show, the the morality of liberty. Yes. Right? Because, you, again, you can be an atheist and be moral. Yes, so that, absolutely. That's, that's not what the gospel. The gospel is not, not about being moral. Right. Right. The gospel is about being reconnected to to God. Yes. Through the person of Jesus Christ. Right. Okay? So and, and I know a lot of Christians have problem with distinguishing that. So every right. every atheist is in is an immoral person. No, from a gospel perspective, every atheist is a lost person. Right. right. They've not been born again through, by the definition of uh, the Bible and the gospel. They can still be moral, meaning they can still do they can still um, do what's right by their fellow man. Now, right. we know from a biblical perspective, as far as you're standing with God, then the Bible teaches that that's, that's, not, that's mm -hmm. not enough to make you right with God. Your righteousness, righteousness, your right things that you do are as filthy rags. So, so Christians have a hard time distinguishing that, right? right? Th which is why we've tried to explain the, the morality of liberty. So when you talk yeah. about So it's not that the morality of religion. It's the morality correct. of liberty. Yeah, it's and just, that and we've often said you don't have to be a believer to be a supporter of liberty. Correct. Now and we so just happen to believe yeah. that that's reflected in the gospel. Love thy neighbor yes. as thyself. Mm -hmm. I think that sums up liberty. Um, so what I hear in you're talking about the person saying, you know, essentially you can't control me. You can't tell me what to do. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I get to have this abortion. So it's a it's a part. Right. It's a partial definition. You have the right to do whatever you want. OK, that's where they stop. 
That's freedom. Well, with whatever is yours, as long as you don't harm another. That's what right. they're missing. Right. That, that child is another. Yes. Right? That's the crux of it. Yes. When you say, well, it's my body. There's no such body part called a baby. Right. A baby is not a body part. It's not you don't, part of you your body. You don't have body. a body part, baby. No, it's not part of your body. Oh, it's my body. No, that's not your body. Your body is your body. The child up to a point is contained within your body, but that child is a separate body. That's yes. a separate person. So you don't have the right. No, we don't have the right to control you. That's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to protect a life. Right. I wouldn't want anybody to kill you any mm -hmm. more than I want somebody to kill that baby because you are two separate individuals. So it's a protection of life. And so the, the problem is, is that lack of recognition of, uh, of, of, of life and that well, but I what think libertarians would call do no harm principles. It's like they yeah. get that right in war and, and that sort of thing. And, and many of them somehow miss it in that child's right to life. Do and no I harm think to that child. When I'm teaching, I often try to show people that a lot of times it boils down to basic definitions. Yeah. And what you're missing is the definition of liberty. And, you know, you can, you know, you can do whatever we want with whatever is yours until you ha uh, control or harm the right of another or control or harm another. The bottom line is when I teach this definition of liberty to young people and they get it, it's very simple. It's a mathematical equation. Liberty equals freedom plus morality. And that morality is a shared morality of society. Our societies are built on, American societies built on the fundamental principles that there is a right to life, there is a right to liberty, and there is a right to property. And there's a right to secure life liberty and property that government is instituted for the singular purpose to secure rights mm -hmm. so you can't tell me that it's outside government authority to protect an unborn life when the sole purpose for the existence of government is to secure life then you have to tell me that it's not government's job to secure the life of someone who's living when they aren't able to secure their own life right so then you lose the role of government altogether in in the aiding of the security of the individual rights. We are we are born free to do whatever we want. But in society, when we come together as society, we say we are free to do whatever we want. But there are some things that we should not do because they're wrong. And if that's how you want to define morality, then it's the understanding that things are right and things are wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And I. I would only phrase that differently. And I know you like that word society. I just, and I know you understand a society is a collection of individuals. It's and it, it, it's shared morality of individuals. Right. Uh, Cause society is a construct. There's right. Society, I'm not talking about a collective. Yeah. That, yeah. There's yeah. no society has no beliefs. Right. right. The individuals have beliefs. The individuals have rights. The individuals have the shared mm -hmm. morality. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a whole different which kind I know of what, class. Which right? I know yeah. is what you're getting at. Right, so, because a society is a collection of people of like mind. That's yeah, kind of the definition right. of a society but, from that kind of perspective. But so. the, and, and, I, and why I make that distinction is because, so regardless of whether this group is of like mind and agrees with that, doesn't nullify the reality of the rights of the individual. So right. that's why it, it always goes back to the individual. There's that's a shared morality of individuals. That's why they're called inherent and inalienable right. rights. They're not called communal or, or uh, um, 
bestowed rights and the, in that way from and that's, government. And that's why, as you broaden out into the, the concepts and the constructs of society and that sort of thing, can be a slippery slope because then people sort of anthropomorphize these constructs and give them, like, society says so. Society does this. Society does that. Well, let me mention this. because they we, don't. We e- are e- members in power. We are coming to the end, end of the show. Um, we are a constitutional republic and not a democracy mm-hmm. for the very reason of that individual right, right morality. Mm-hmm. Because a democracy is mob rule. And it is in a democracy that you're warning about where the majority can decide that life has no value. And when the majority decides that life has no value, then you have slavery by law. So the same society that prevents slavery by law is the same societal standard that prevents the murdering of children before or after birth. Right. Did I say that right? Yeah. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Uh, We will see you on Thursday with our lessons on Larson, Rushing, and Todd down to the final three or or the final five of Trump's picks. I still think it's just three. Yeah, that's why I said three, but (laughs) it was my little Freudian thing. God bless you guys. We will see you next time. (laughs) 